Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. It's not a peace plan, it's a proposal, according to presidential candidates Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That was my first thought, too, and I'm no fan of either of them. Then I began to see the subtleties that really make this two-state proposal a one-state plan. Most people are focusing on what is in the plan, but some are reading between the lines and seeing what's there but left unspoken. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said the Trump administration's proposed plan for peace would be a basis for direct negotiation. Well, is this a plan or a proposal to be negotiated? President Donald Trump announced that Netanyahu had accepted the plan. Well, if the plan is the basis of direct negotiations with the Palestinians, then it wasn't an accepted plan. It was an accepted proposal. But if the plan is the basis of letting Israel do whatever it wants to in Israel, regardless of the cost to the Palestinians, then yes, Netanyahu has accepted the plan. If this is Trump's political legacy, it is to his and Netanyahu's everlasting shame. The Trump plan merely puts the finishing touches on a house that American lawmakers, Republican and Democrat alike, spent dozens of years helping to build. During the last several decades, as Israel slowly took over the West Bank, putting more than 600,000 settlers in occupied territory, the United States provided Israel with diplomatic backing, vetoes in the United Nations Security Council, pressure on international courts and investigative bodies not to pursue Israel and billions of dollars in annual aid. Some of the Democrats now running for president have spoken of their disapproval of Israeli annexation even as they propose nothing to stop it. Whether in Mr. Trump's vision or in Mr. Clinton's, American plans have confined most of the majority ethnic group into less than a quarter of the territory with restrictions on Palestinian sovereignty so far-reaching that the outcome should more appropriately be called a one-and-a-half state solution. Mr. Trump's plan has many severe faults. It prioritizes Jewish interests over Palestinian ones. It rewards and even incentivizes settlements and further dispossession of the Palestinians. But none of these qualities represent a fundamental break from the past. One mainstream Democrat, Senator Amy Klobuchar, could declare her opposition to annexation and even sign a letter criticizing the Trump plan for its disregard of international law when she had also co-sponsored a Senate resolution expressing grave objection to a 2016 United Nations Security Council resolution that demanded Israel halt illegal settlement activity. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg say they would be unwilling to provide American financial support for Israeli in annexation, but that is little more than a slick formulation that allows them to sound tough while threatening nothing since American assistance to Israel would not 
in any event go directly toward the bureaucratic tasks involved, such as transferring the West Bank land registry from the military to the Israeli government. The Trump plan, much like the decades-long peace process that it crowns, gives Israel cover to perpetuate what is known as the status quo, Israel as the sole sovereign controlling the territory between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, depriving millions of stateless people of basic civil rights, restricting their movement, criminalizing speech that may harm public order, jailing them in indefinite administrative detention without trial or charge, and dispossessing them of their land, all the while congressional leaders, the European Union, and Much of the rest of the world applaud and encourage this charade, solemnly expressing their commitment to the resumption of meaningful negotiations. Israel's defenders like to say that Israel is being singled out, and they are right. Israel is the only state perpetuating a permanent military occupation with discriminatory laws for separate groups living in the same territory that self-identified liberals around the world go out of their way to justify, defend, and even fund. In the absence of advocating policies with actual teeth, the Democratic critics of the Trump plan are not much better than the President. They are, not in words but in deeds, supporters of annexation and subjugation too. Let's be clear, this one-sided plan so favors Israel and disfavors Palestine that no one can argue it. It does nothing more than greenlight Israel's plan to squeeze the Palestinians out of Israel and into Jordan. There is a lot of confusion about how the plan will be implemented. Most critics believe it will end in war between Israel and Palestine because of how lopsided it is toward Israel, while others hope the United Nations will step in with a resolution. To stop Israel now will require the UN to invade Israel with other nations' militaries. Perhaps that will be part of what Armageddon is about, stopping Mystery Babylon from usurping the United Nations' place and trying to put Israel back to the way it was before the Donald Trump era. President Donald Trump announced the plan will include a Palestinian state, but when the details of the plan are examined, it is clear that no Palestinian state will be established. Instead, it will lead to Israel gradually taking full control over the entire West Bank. The plan allows Israel to take the immediate step of annexing all the settlements that are spread throughout the West Bank, in addition to the vast area of the Jordan Valley. Netanyahu, hours after the corruption indictment against him was filed in Jerusalem, declared on Tuesday that the interim government he heads will vote on this step early next week. For the first time since 1967, Israel will annex settlements that are located in between cities and villages that are home to more than 2.5 million Palestinians. However, the person who oversaw the peace plan, Jared Kushner, later said he did not believe Israel would hold an annexation vote next Sunday. If the government does approve the move on Sunday, these settlements will become like the rest of Israel under Israeli law. 
but the Palestinian areas that surround them will still have a different status, living under military occupation, and be subject to a totally different set of laws than those that apply to the Jewish settlements. This is where the interesting caveat to Trump's plan comes out to play. Not only did he set eight conditions for statehood for the Palestinians, but he warned that this could be the Palestinians' last chance for a state. He went on to refer to the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the Palestinian rejection of the UN partition plan in 1948. The meaning was clear. Don't make the same mistake again. You won't get another chance. And this is what Netanyahu is relying on. He knows the Palestinians will persist in their rejection of the Trump plan, which is why he is embracing it, even the bits he and his far-right base find unpalatable. This is because he knows he finally has his lifelong goal within his grasp, the end of any rival claim to the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. Far from offering a path to peace, Trump's vision for peace and prosperity and a brighter future will instead cement the long-term subjugation of Palestinians at Israel's hands. Trump's cavalier, condescending, and seemingly self-defeating approach to Palestinians, which is expressed in the tone and content of his quote-unquote vision, represents Netanyahu's greatest triumph. Israel will not be required to dismantle its illegal settlements. Palestinians will be required to renounce their internationally recognized right to return to their homeland. Palestinians will have little access to Jerusalem. Israel will be allowed, in violation of international law, to annex parts of the West Bank. Let me make it clear that international law agrees with Yahweh that the House of Israel, whose population is mostly known now as Palestinians, have the right of return. Yahweh calls it ingathering, and it applies to all the House of Israel who are still unrecognized for who they are among the nations or by the Israeli state. To the unengaged outside observer, this may not mean much, but for Palestinians and indeed for the international community, this plan speaks volumes. It does away with the international legal system as we know it and replaces it with a system in which might is right, where power and not law is supreme. Yes, that is correct. This move now does away with the United Nations authority over Israel. And hang in here with me because I will explain how the first beast of Revelation 13 has given its power to the second beast of Revelation 13. They are related. Who would have believed that Benjamin Netanyahu, of all people, would stand alongside an American president at the White House and announce his willingness to negotiate over establishing a Palestinian state in 70% of the West Bank with its capital in the neighborhoods of East Jerusalem and incessantly call it a historic day?
He even managed to infect many of those attending the launch of the American Peace Plan with his enthusiasm. Until the last minute, many of these people had been convinced they would hear a historic speech by U.S. President Donald Trump in which he would proudly announce that he would recognize Israeli annexation. But they ultimately left a bit confused by all that talk in the room about a future Palestine. The plan itself is ostensibly still subject to negotiation, or as the Americans put it, to committee discussions. This is the quintessential Israeli solution to all problems, one used systematically to bury documents. Nevertheless, based on the details announced on Tuesday, it's clear that despite all the hype, the plan didn't contain anything that hasn't been heard in the past. The plan is ultimately based on the two-state solution like every previous plan, but with one salient and critical change. It leans significantly toward Israel by accepting the existing situation and making it permanent. But what difference does it make what the plan says, one disappointed listener reassured himself. What matters is what Netanyahu will now do unilaterally. And he's right. The plan itself is doomed to failure in any case and will promptly be thrown in the trash. Thus, the big public debate, which will start this Sunday's cabinet meeting, won't be about the plan itself, but about what Netanyahu intends to do with its assistance, annexing the Jordan Valley, the Northern Dead Sea, and all the other West Bank settlements. This would mean abolishing military rule there, and it would obviously pre preserve and even deepen the occupation. If the cabinet does adopt such a decision, then from the standpoint of both Israel and the current U.S. administration, the settlements for the first time since 1967 will be an inseparable part of Israel. Netanyahu knew that immediately after the launch, he would have to brief the media and spin the narrative. I agreed to a Palestinian state? What are you talking about? Look, this is about annexation. That, more or less, was the gist of it. Make no mistake, Trump's plan includes provisions that will be hard for the Israeli right in general and for Netanyahu's Likud in particular to swallow, including the prospective detachment of East Jerusalem neighborhoods that would form the capital of a Palestinian state, the right of return of Palestinian refugees to said Palestinian state, and most of all, perhaps the return to life of the two-state solution that right-wingers had persuaded themselves was long dead and buried. These are the provisions the Israelis will put up with in the short term because they know these are not long term. Given the stipulations against the Palestinians for putting up a fight which allows Israel to squeeze them out of the West Bank like someone squeezing a toothpaste tube, these hard-to-swallow provisions will be swallowed in order to get to the dessert. Here is what just happened. Trump 
performed the big build-up to make people think he was smarter than everyone else and that his deal would be better than everyone else's. Its revelation came at a time when Netanyahu was under the wheels of the scandal bus and needing a rescue. Trump also needs a rescue from the unjust impeachment mess. The injustice he has been forcing on the Palestinians and will now further enforce on them has become the instrument of his own demise. Injustice. The Democrats don't have a case against Trump. After listening to them spout their judgment against him even before the House was vo- has voted, should tell everyone that Trump is being railroaded. I'll tell you why they are railroading him in a little bit. At this point, let me repeat and suffice in saying Trump is getting back the injustice he has given to people all of his life in business and now in international politics. Netanyahu's untenable political position forced him into a corner that he never accepted previously to save face and give himself a fighting chance in the Israeli election. Netanyahu, too, has treated the Palestinians with contempt most recently in this year's Holocaust Memorial season. Click on this Haaretz article to go read about that. This is not a peace plan, as I keep saying. It is a roadmap to war that only rubber stamps an annexation plan to appease Jews and evangelicals and win votes for Trump in 2020 should he get that far. But let's really look at this for what it is. A rubber stamping of Israel's illegal actions, both in international law and biblically, by taking land that belongs to the House of Israel. Israel has already annexed the settlements de facto and applied Israeli law to the settlers. The current moves will merely recognize and legalize the existing situation. Like the annexations of the Golan Heights and East Jerusalem, the new annexations will change the situation symbolically and legally, but won't necessarily rule out ceding this territory under a future agreement if and when all the parties involved finally produce leaders who want real peace instead of a sham. And, as with those other annexations, these moves won't be recognized by the rest of the international community. Trump's coup d'etat was in offering two states instead of just one, which is the real goal. He offered two states because this is the one item that will keep the United Nations quiet. UN General Secretary Antonio Guterres says the United Nations remains committed to supporting Palestinians and Israelis in resolving their conflict on the basis of UN resolutions, international law, and bilateral agreements. He says the UN is also committed to realizing the vision of two states living side by side in peace and security within recognized borders on the basis of the pre-1967 borders, according to his spokesman. 
Trump's plan redraws those borders, but it may still be satisfactory in that it claims to establish two states within the boundaries of Israel between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. As long as he and Netanyahu can continue making this claim, it may well be that the United Nations will remain satisfied at least until it is time for Yahweh to cause them to be dissatisfied. This is because the United Nations beast has only two words that need to be said for its satisfaction, two states. As long as this beast believes two states is being negotiated, it will be quiet. In fact, when Trump moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, the United Nations made no declaration about it. The Golan Heights annexation last year caused no problem in the United Nations either. Statements have been made by United Nations officials. Nikolov Madlinov, United Nations Special Coordinator for the Middle East Peace Process, expressed concern regarding Israeli plans to annex the occupied Jordan Valley, stressing that such a step would have devastating effects on the region. But comments and calls for Israel to stop doing what it is doing, such as with the Golan annexation last year, are all the UN offers. It has not made any moves to stop the changes happening in Israel since Trump took office. The second beast of Revelation 13 just rose to power. It's actually been rising to power. Now it has finally come into its own. Its will now supersedes the first beast of Revelation. Let's go to Revelation 13, 1 and 2. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. On his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and its feet like those of a bear, and its mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him its power, and its seat, and great authority. Bible prophecy is full of beasts, empires, and horns, kings, who rule those empires, A beast is always a kingdom or an empire. A horn always represents a king or ruler of a nation. The book of Daniel in chapter 7 explains that the horns spoken of are kings. The book of Revelation in chapter 17 explains that the ten horns of the beasts are kings as well. The seven heads are seven continents. The beast's character is that of a Greek leopard with Persian bear's feet and a Babylonian mouth who got its power from Satan. This beast is the United Nations, which is the seat of the New World Order, whose character is that of the first three ancient empires listed in Daniel 7. The United Nations encompasses all the Gentile world powers at the end of time and it becomes part of that fourth composite beast in Daniel 7. The United Nations divided the globe into ten regions. That's why we have ten crowns. 
These regions sit on the seven continents, the heads of North America, Western Europe, Japan, Australia, South Africa, and the rest of the market economy of the developed world, Eastern Europe, including Russia, Latin America, North America, and the Middle East, Tropical Africa, South and Southeast Asia, and China. These are the ten horns. Each of these ten regions have a king, a representative, uh, someone ruling within each regional council. The best example is Germany, who oversees number two, Western Europe. These kings change places every few years. This composite beast, the United Nations, was created by the dragon, Satan, to rule the world, and it fits what Satan showed Yeshua. The United Nations is Satan's dream, and through it he rules the world. All the nations of the earth have bowed to it and joined it and agreed to be governed by it willingly. Revelation 13.3 says one of his heads looked like it had been wounded fatally. His fatal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled at the beast. Well, one of its heads or continents appeared to have a fatal wound. In fact, one of the continents does have a wound that it got in the last century. And that wound was healed later. But we can still see its deadly wound today. Where do we see this wound? On the European continent, regions 2, Western Europe, and 5, Eastern Europe. The United Nations split Germany to strip it of its war gains and prevent it from regaining its lost territories in the east to Poland and to the Soviet Union. Thus, the European head or continent was given a deadly wound. The split was a breach, almost like an axe to the head or the continent via the Berlin Wall. That wall is gone now, but the vestiges of its Cold War and divisive era still remains. Europe's continent, its head, was split wide open. Still today, the eastern part of Europe remains as part of Russia's continent, Russia's head. No one thought this wound would ever heal, but Ronald Reagan inspired its healing with the removal of the Berlin Wall. Revelation 13.4 said, They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? There is no other body on the earth today that can qualify to be the first beast of Revelation that rules the earth as the United Nations does. For this privilege, world leaders worship Satan. Anyone who is paying attention knows that the world leaders are Satanists. They worship him with human sacrifices at Bohemian Grove and elsewhere. Satan the dragon gives the UN beast its power because the world leaders worship him. And why does Satan require human sacrifices? 
It is a mimicry and mockery of Yeshua's sacrifice. Satanists believe they get life and power from sacrificial human beings. That is the promise of Satan's rival Yeshua, at whose hand Satan himself will be killed. This worship that they do is the Greek word proskuneo, which means to fawn, crouch to, or lick the hand like a dog. This licking is more than a mere kiss like people do when kissing the Pope's or a monarch's hand. This is an exaggeration of that. It also means to pay homage, to do reverence, to adore. Well, the whole world today lauds the United Nations for the peace it has brought to the earth despite hundreds of ongoing wars at any given time the United Nations is not concerned about these nuisance wars they point to the wound of Europe that was healed decades after the UN divided Europe the wound now appears to be healed people freely travel between Western and Eastern Europe Future prophecies of this beast will not be fulfilled until the time of the three and a half years, according to Revelation 13.7. For a short time, the first beast of Revelation 13, the United Nations, will give its power to the second beast of Revelation. Let's take a look at what that is. The second beast of Revelation 13 is the two nations of the house of Israel, the West led by the United States and the house of Judah now situated in the state of Israel. The second beast has now been given its authority by the first beast of Revelation 13, the United Nations. This happened because one of the ten regions is also home to the most powerful leader in the United Nations Security Council, the United States. The United States horn is accompanied on the head of the second beast by a second horn. This horn is Israel. So you have the United States horn and the Israeli horn on the same head. Revelation 13:11 I saw another beast coming up out of the earth another empire he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon see this second beast has two horns two different kings on the same head or on the same empire the second beast of revelation 13 has two horns like a lamb which of the earth's people are associated specifically with the Lamb? Judaism and Christianity, sister religions and sister nations, despite their many disputes. Let's look at some characteristics of the second beast of Revelation 13 and compare them to the U.S. and Israel. This Israelite beast empire that associates itself with the Lamb caused fire to fall from heaven. Revelation 13.13 13. Those are the H and atom bombs and probably other missile entities as well. In the end of days, America became the place of the invention of moving pictures that causes the beast's image to move and speak. Revelation 13 verses 14 and 15. 
It is this beast from both houses working together in the end of days that will set up a financial system to require only those with the mark, which I believe to be an RFID chip for tracking purposes of Noahides, in order to buy and sell. Revelation 13, 16, 17. It is the United States who holds the financial power of the world and is now causing the rise of Mystery Babylon, which will also be an economic powerhouse. In the end of days, these two horns will more specifically represent two men who rule the house of Israel and the house of Judah. At the moment, these two men appear to be President Donald Trump and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. If not these two, then there will be two rulers from the two house, two houses rather that work together to lead the nations into the great tribulation. That is when the first beast, the United Nations, will once again rule for three and a half years. Now getting back to the news about the peace plan, claiming to advance peace without the involvement of one party to the conflict is a diplomatic hoax that undermines the chance of a genuine two-state solution. Senator Chris Van Hollen wrote on Twitter, it's an anti-peace plan, he added. Trump's deal of the century was, as I said, written in a way that guarantees it will be rejected by the Palestinian Authority, and maybe that was the plan all along, according to this article in Haaretz. The president strung the PA along in the beginning. Palestinian leaders began to think Trump may actually be able to achieve a plan of mutual interest between Palestine and Israel. They were sure of it when he delayed moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem the first time that waiver needed to be signed. Americans were disappointed, but the Palestinians were hopeful. Little did they know Trump was setting them up. There are stages to the Zionist plan. I am talking about religious, secular, New World Order Zionists, not biblical Zionists. The Israeli world was built on three foundations, so says this author in Haaretz, the cult of the Holocaust, a false narrative, and ignorance. This is according to Ilana Hammerman, who was born and raised in Israel. She says, it is patently clear a false decision had been made to annex to Jerusalem areas several times larger than it with their villages and Palestinian inhabitants and to build upon them ever widening circles of huge Jewish neighborhoods to the south they practically touch on Bethlehem now and to the north almost as far as Ramallah a situation that thwarts any possibility of a peaceful solution. Who lives in the Jordan Valley and what do they do? Well, 8,100 Israeli Jews and 52,950 Palestinians live in the Jordan Valley, according to separate figures from Israeli and Palestinian official surveys from 2018 and 2017, respectively. Israel splits the region into two different entities, the Jordan Valley and Megilot, or Dead Sea Regional Councils. 
Around 7,035 Israeli Jews live in the former, more than 1,100 of them in the largest settlement of Male Ephraim. The rest are split among 21 kibbutzim, moshavim, and small towns. Settlement activity monitor Peace Now also counts 18 outposts which are not officially recognized. Most work in agriculture with about 66% of the agricultural produce destined for export. In 2017, about 38% of the dates grown in Israel come from the Jordan Valley, according to the Agriculture and Rural Development Ministry. As of 2018, 1,065 lived in seven kibbutzim and moshavim in the Dead Sea Council, most of them working in agriculture or tourism. The vast majority of Palestinians live in the city of Jericho, which is not part of any annexation plan. As of 2017, only 4,391 Palestinians live in the section of the West Bank under full Israeli civil and security control, known as Area C. The Palestinian population in that area is sparse, spread out over 47 communities of shepherds and small villages, according to Peace Now. The organization says that at least 250,000 Dunhams, or 62,500 acres, about a fifth of the territory that will supposedly be annexed, is privately owned Palestinian land according to the definition of the Israel Defense Forces Civil Administration in the West Bank. And it is land that will cut off the Palestinians from the water of the Jordan River, which waters their crops and animals. Al Jazeera reports, The Jordan Valley, which accounts for almost a third of the occupied West Bank, will be under Israeli sovereignty. According to the plan released by Trump, a future Palestinian state would be separated from the Jordan border by Israeli territory. Currently, the Allen B. King Hussein Bridge over the Jordan River is the only border crossing between Jordan and the West Bank. The annexation of the Jordan Valley would also separate the future Palestinian state from the Jordan River, which forms the West Bank's eastern border with Jordan. The river feeds over 80,000 hectares, or 197,684,000 acres, of agricultural lands and fish farms. Can you see how, now, Trump's two-state plan is nothing more than an encroaching one-state plan? Israel is about to treat the Palestinians like the U.S. government treated Native American Indians in the 19th and 20th centuries, where they still remain on reservations to this day. Does this sound like a fair and just plan to you? Worse than this is the house of Judah is taking our house of Israel inheritance away. As for the United Nations imposing international law to disallow Israeli law being applied in the West Bank, listen to this statement by Dr. Harold Arnon. According to Dr. Arnon, who is the attorney who represents the government in the High Court of Justice case concerning the regularization law in Israel, 
which would legalize the expropriation of privately owned Palestinian land on which settlements have been constructed in good faith in return for full compensation under certain specific circumstances, one possibility would be a gradual change change rather from Jordanian law to Israeli law over a period of a number of years in order to limit the problems that a sudden imposition of Israeli law could cause but here's how he says that can be justified the field of international law is elastic enough for it to be possible to raise other claims Dr. Arnon says, a preliminary question needs to be asked, he argues, is the area actually occupied territory at all according to international law? See, the Israelis will raise this question to tie up any objection the United Nations might have to their plans for a long time. The Israeli position that the territories are not occupied is more convincing than another position, says Arnon. Not only did we not take it from the Palestinian state that did not exist before it, Jordan too has no claims on the land and moreover, we have historic claims to the land. Arnon does acknowledge that most of the world considers the West Bank to be occupied territory in legal terms, but he says annexation does not necessarily require the imposition of Israeli law. Um, uh, this is according to attorney and left-wing activist Michael Safard. Annexation is the declaration by a country that it views the area involved as part of its sovereign territory. Imposing the law is one of the characteristics of sovereignty, but a country can say it is annexing a certain area and impose military rule on it. VOA News now reports that Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas will seek a remedy at the United Nations Security Council, but the Palestinians are unlikely, according to VOA News, to find redress in the Security Council where the United States holds a veto. Remember, the U.S. is one of those horns on this second beast's or second empire's head. The Palestinian leadership is furious following the release of Tuesday release on Tuesday of the Trump administration's long-awaited plan for resolving the decades-old Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Well, you know, again, the peace plan paves the way for the removal of all non-Jews. I'm going to show you that in another article from Jerusalem Post. And Israel intends for all the West Bank to be Jewish only. They have no intention of allowing a Palestinian state. And you have already heard the Israeli and other news sources saying the plan was written in such a way that the Palestinians will reject it, after which it will become justified for Israel to take all the land without allowing the Palestinians to become Israeli citizens as laid out in the peace plan. It says there will be no right of return for the Palestinians back to Israeli land. Well, once the West Bank is fully annexed, the Palestinians will be considered criminals and will be run out of the country. 
The Jerusalem Post writes, Arab Israelis, Arab Israelis, pay attention to this, have reacted with anger, disbelief, and sarcasm to U.S. President Donald Trump's idea of swapping the area known as the Triangle into a future Palestinian state. Trump's plan for Mideast peace, known as the Deal of the Century, leaves open the possibility that Israel will swap Arab communities in the Triangle, such as Kafir Kara, Arara, Baka al-Garbiya, Um al-Fam, and more, into the Palestinian state if and when it is established. The areas to be swapped belong to Palestinians who, unlike other West Bank brethren, are Israeli citizens. This swap will cause those people to lose their Israeli citizenship. Several Arab citizens, community leaders, and politicians condemned the talk about placing their cities and villages under Palestinian control as racist and dangerous. Leaders of the Arab community are scheduled to hold consultations in the coming days to devise a plan to combat the portion of Trump's plan that talks about the Triangle area. They said that Arab Israelis would fight against the plan, adding that its goal is to reduce the number of non-Jews living in the country by half. Trump is causing serious damage to relations between Jews and Arabs. You know, that's House of Israel people that have been renamed Palestinians who live inside Israel, they said. While some Arab politicians argued that they were not surprised by the attempt to transfer Arabs from the country, others warned that the idea would intensify tensions between Jews and Arabs in Israel and damage efforts to achieve equality between the two communities. Trump and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are seeking to solve their problems at the expense of the Arab Israelis, said accountant Mahdi Abdel Jabber, a resident of the Triangle City of Taba. These are two fascist failed leaders who hate Arabs. We're not against a Palestinian state, but this plan aims to revoke the citizenship of hundreds of thousands of Arabs simply because we're not Jewish, he added. We are citizens of Israel and we want to remain so. He said, I personally don't want to live under the Palestinian Authority. In nearby Kalansua, many residents scoffed at the transfer idea. The Israeli government and Netanyahu are dealing with us as if we are sheep, said schoolteacher Hanadi Musa. They are fooling themselves and their people if they think they would find one Arab who would agree to this nonsense. Those who are trying to get rid of the Arabs today will do the same to other minorities in the future. Netanyahu and Trump are implementing the racist ideology of Kahane, said construction contractor Majdi Abu Hamad. 
He was referring to New York-born Rabbi Meir Kahani, founder of the Jewish Defense League that I reported to you on a week, a few weeks ago, who proposed financial compensation for Arabs who would leave voluntarily and forced expulsion for those who refused to leave. Trump and Netanyahu are dreaming. They are living under an illusion if they think they can get rid of the Arab citizens here, Abu Hamad said. They are just trying to save themselves from impeachment and trial. No one here takes them seriously. Besides, does Israel really want to bring the Palestinian Authority and Hamas closer to Tel Aviv and Afula? Arara Mayor Mudar Yunus said Trump's plan does injustice not only to the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, but also to the Arab citizens of Israel. This is a very dangerous plan that paves the way for more dangerous schemes in the region, Yunus argued. If you want to place Um el-Fam under the Palestinian state, what about the lands surrounding Um el-Fam? Why not place them, too, under the control of the Palestinian state? We were shocked to hear about this racist idea, said Um el-Fam lawyer Saleh Mahamid. In the past, we used to hear about the need to get rid of the Arabs from right-wing politicians in Israel, such as Avigdor Lieberman and the Kahane followers. Now, we are surprised to see that the man described as the leader of the free world has endorsed racism and ethnic cleansing. Taiba Mayor Shua Masarwe Mansour denounced the idea as a nightmare for Arab Israelis. No one believes this delusional plan can be implemented, he said. We were born here, and we will stay here. We are citizens of Israel, not enemies. Well, this is what Mayor Shua Masarwe doesn't understand. This plan will be implemented, and it will be implemented at the end of the sword. This is not a deal, he remarked. This is hysteria on the part of Netanyahu and Trump, each for his own reasons. No one talked to us about this plan, and we are not temporary citizens of Israel. Ward Asada, an educator from the Galilee, said that a growing number of Arabs are worried about their future in the aftermath of Trump's plan. Who is this Trump to decide for us where we should live, she asked. We are not cattle that can be moved from one place to another. Trump is sitting thousands of miles away and trying to solve our problems. And he has no idea what's going on here, and it would be better if he minded his own business. Meanwhile, still today as I finish this article, the international community is mum, quiet, saying nothing. Now that doesn't mean they will continue to be quiet. But they will be quiet long enough for Yahweh's plans to move forward. Individual nations are making comments, some favorable and some not. But so far, the international community, together, as one voice under the United Nations, has not protested Trump's peace deal. That is because some other things need to happen next, and Yahweh is in control of it. The second beast of Revelation 13 is one beast, one empire with two horns, two different kings. 
This is the reason one phenomenon has appeared since the 2016 election when Donald Trump became president. That phenomenon is that the same conditions appear in both the U.S. and Israel, particularly with situations faced by U.S. President Donald Trump and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Both are coming to the end of their national leadership careers. They're not going to be horns much longer. Trump's political career will be very short. He had a very small amount of time to accomplish Yahweh's goals. Netanyahu has had a much longer career in the Knesset than Trump in the White House, but Netanyahu, and you know his name means gift from Yahweh, has had to accomplish Yahweh's goals as well. What are Yahweh's goals? Ending the earth's corruption and regathering his elect back to Israel. Trump and Netanyahu's actions will bring about the great tribulation, but this is good news for those looking for Yeshua the Messiah, God in the flesh, and King of this planet, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has a place of protection prepared for us. That doesn't mean we won't suffer some difficulties and trials, though. He will rescue us from them. The same thing that happened in the Exodus will happen to us. We will go through some hardships in the beginning, but he will bring us through the rest of it unscathed, just like he did the first time. And this time, it will be remembered in the future as so much greater than the first time that the first one won't even be remembered at all. Now, don't misunderstand. Neither Trump nor Netanyahu are necessarily righteous men according to biblical standard and that's why Yahweh chose them. No, Yahweh used Gentiles, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, Antiochus, the Roman Caesars and even Pilate to do his will. Trump and Netanyahu have been put in office for Yahweh's purpose, not because of their upstanding character or known righteousness. It has been said in the press that Trump pushed hard to get his peace deal revealed before the Israeli election to help Netanyahu win again. Well, it is just as likely that Trump did the same for himself because he fears impeachment will happen before he got his deal published and he wanted to advance his plan for his political legacy. And if this is true, it will have been that Yahweh used Trump's ego for his own purposes. Netanyahu has submitted himself to the trial process in Israel, and Trump is already on trial. Both men ruling together over one nation, Israel, called Israel in the Bible, not to be confused with the modern UN-created political state of Israel, are undergoing the same process. What they have set in motion will not be stopped.
It will bring about the Gog Magog war, the pouring out of the of Yahweh's ruach on both houses, the reconciliation that needs to happen between the two houses so we are no longer so we no longer hate each other and try to undermine and hurt each other. The other coming wars of the Great Tribulation also need to happen, leading up to Armageddon, and then the return of Yeshua to rescue the world from the beast of Revelation 13, 1 through 10, the United Nations. I don't understand all the mechanisms Yahweh has in place or the timing of these events. You know, Yahweh gives understanding to all who seek and listen to him as the need arises for us to understand. None of what is happening now could ever have been understood by earlier prophetic pundits. This is why he exhorts us to watch and pray, know what is happening, and ask Yahweh for understanding of how these events are fulfilling Bible prophecy. I believe President Trump is being railroaded by the left, and that is probably the case with Netanyahu too. What one leader faces, the other leader faces. The, what one nation faces, the other nation faces. The U.S. and Israel together are the dilettante house of Jacob. The two together form one nation, one beast empire at the end of days. The coming internal Gog War will happen in both places, the U.S. and Israel. It will be called Civil War in America and an Israeli-Palestinian War in Israel. The left, the Democrats, are trying to rig the 2020 election just as they tried in 2016. So confident were they about their rigging that they had accomplished, they were completely blindsided by Trump's win. That was Yahweh's doing. One of my friends had a dream that Hillary Clinton was President of the United States. He testifies that some other elements of the same dream have come to pass. Thus, the expectation is that somehow, some way, Hillary will be President of the United States. Other people have had the same dream of Hillary being President of the United States. Here's what Isaiah 3:11-14 says, Woe to the wicked! Disaster is upon them, for the deeds of his hands will be paid back to him. I've been saying that Trump and Netanyahu are getting paid back the justice that they've given out. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. My people, those who lead you, cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. Yahweh stands up to contend and stands to judge the peoples. Yahweh will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and their leaders. It is you who have eaten up the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. Who is Yahweh's vineyard? Israel! Not the modern UN-created political state of Israel, but biblical Israel composed of all twelve tribes.
It is possible that Hillary Clinton will be a candidate for president again this time, but only after Trump's impeachment is over and only if it has been successful for the Democrats. She, too, will be used by Yahweh and the process already started will continue. If Mike Pence becomes president, he will likely continue Trump's plans, and if he runs and wins the 2020 election, almost certainly Trump's and Israel's plans will continue. It doesn't matter who wins the Israeli elections so much as who wins the U.S. elections. Benny Gantz is already on board with Netanyahu's agenda, so no change there. It is the U.S. elections that will make the difference in what happens next in Israel. Folks, Yahweh is in control. Believe it. And what is happening and is about to happen is all for the good of His kingdom. Both houses, the house of Judah and the house of Israel, both in Israel and among the nations, have to suffer this chastisement for their disobedience. Yahweh chose us for this end time scenario because He knows we are strong enough to take it. And He won't give us any more than He knows we can handle. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.